Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Faith Walk. We took a little break, but I'm glad to be back because tonight is a very interesting topic, a topic that I had to deal with in my own life, a topic that I had to speak with someone about not too long ago, and the topic is called, Am I in the Right Church? a really, really important issue in our life. Am I in the right church? So Faith Walk focuses on repentance, salvation, and wholeness. And tonight we're going to dive into a very popular topic because Lord knows there's a church on every corner. Everywhere you go, there's a church. I mean, there's so many Facebook pastors. There's so many online ministries. There's more churches and schools, more churches and hospitals, more churches and corner stores. And a lot of people are not sure if they're in the right building. A lot of people blame God or events in their life that they don't understand. They blame people. But in reality, sometimes you can have the best of intentions and just be in the wrong place. So we're going to start off with first going into the scriptures on this topic because there is a great falling away. Second Timothy chapter four verses three and four says for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So a lot of what we see is people wanting to hear a prosperity gospel. A lot of these churches that are full to the brim, that are full of young people you see so many people, but yet no change. I mean, thousands of memberships. And keep in mind, this doesn't apply to every single mega church. But when you walk into a church, you should feel the presence of God. And if you don't, first you have to ask yourself, do you even possess the Holy Spirit to be able to feel his presence? So there are so many reasons people leave church. I mean, people get offended. Somebody can say one thing. And that was the last straw that broke your camel's back and you say, I'm out. You know, some people leave because they're not being fed because maybe you started off one place, but then you grew to a point where you realized that you needed more and maybe that church wasn't able to provide it for you. It's all about the reason. And it's a very dangerous thing to be in the wrong church. Okay, we, we can't afford to waste time being in the wrong place. Uh, a lot of ministries have issues with women in the pulpit and say if you're a woman you can't preach so if you are a woman and you've been called by God and you're in these ministries you're being stifled a lot of places have these youth programs for children where all they do is feed them candy and they color and the children learn absolutely nothing about God they don't learn how to live anything because they're separated from their parents the entire time and church has turned into a daycare the children aren't grasping anything, and now this is going into their foundation, a bunch of nothing. So if you plant a seed of nothing, you'll get a tree of nothing. A lot of times, any type of issues that you have in church will obscure your view of God. You know, when a pastor hurts our feelings, we tend to blame God for it. Or when someone in a leadership position has done us wrong, we tend to leave church. Instead of recognizing that the person and God are two different entities, and you don't go to church for people. 
So why would you leave for people? This is a personal relationship, so you have to evaluate why are you there in the first place. So before you leave God, before you walk away from God, before you say, oh, I tried being a Christian and it didn't work, before you throw in a towel, make sure you're not in the wrong church. So we're just going to go over some red flags. These are common red flags. If you or anyone you know is in this position, share it with them. This isn't a very long message, but it's a necessary message. And if you see yourself on this list, pray, pray, and pray. Because these last evil days that are upon us, they're already here. We don't have time to be in the wrong vineyard. The scripture says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You need to be where you are supposed to be. So let's go over the first red flag. So tonight it's about, let's see, four of them that I grouped everything into. Because, of course, there could always be subcategories. But I want you to watch out for these main red flags. The first red flag is you must have a connection with the shepherd and with the spiritual leadership of the church. If you do not have a connection with the shepherd or the spiritual leadership in the church, there is a problem. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that, it, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So when you have a connection with your shepherd, this is the person was able to go to God on your behalf. Even in your seasons of joy and blessings, your shepherd can see the next season approaching. They're able to see when you're off. They're able to see when you're in error. They're able to get you through whatever deliverances you're going through. And if you happen to be in a larger church, then there should be spiritual leadership in place. Because a lot of churches, uh, the shepherd is at the top. And there are so many members, you can't always get to the shepherd. But there should be some spiritual leadership, some spiritual connection, whether it be the ministers of the church, uh, the deacons, the evangelists, someone that is able to intercede with you, on behalf of you, for you, someone that you can reach out to, someone that has answers. If you're going to church and you hear these wonderful sermons and you have no connection, you have no one to pick up the phone and call. And, and I don't mean calling somebody that's going to give you a generic answer. I mean, you're, we're dealing with real life out here, you know. But we have children that are going through all types of issues, fighting sin and, and trying to live holy. And then one day they don't want to live holy, marital issues, career changes, health issues. I don't mean anything generic. I mean real issues. You need a spiritual connection. Because sometimes you can't even see what's going on in your own soul. If you don't have anyone in the church that can speak into your spirit, that's a red flag. So there must be a connection. Now, if you're the type of person that doesn't reach out, then that's on you. If you're in a position where you say, well, I can't get to my pastor, I understand. Who can you get to? Are you connected to anybody? I was, <laughs> I was in a situation. I was in a church one time where the pastor was uh, busy, which is, okay, I get it. But the spiritual leadership was ran down. I mean, you, you couldn't call. You had to send an email. I send an email, and three weeks later, I get a response, emergency over. You know, it, it's just pitiful. And as people of God, if you are a spiritual leader, be a spiritual leader. 
you're there for the people. When we think about Moses, remember Moses answered directly to God on behalf of the people. He could not do it all. That's why he had his leadership. So when his leadership began to judge the people for themselves, they would only bring the bigger matters to Moses. So if you're in a leadership position, be a leader. You're there for the needs of the people. You don't come to service to have a good praise and worship between you and the Lord and just get in your car and go home. There are people there. They're going through. They need deliverance. They need answers. They need intercession. Do your job. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't you be the reason why someone left church because they couldn't get help, because you were too busy to check your emails, because you couldn't return a phone call. What are you there for? You're there for the work of the ministry, for the building of the kingdom. You're not there just to have a title or to stand beside the shepherd. If you're not doing anything, move out of the way because you don't want to be responsible for someone walking away from God because they couldn't get help. So that's the first flag. The second one, ooh, dirty leadership. This is what I call dirty leadership. This is where you have sin, open sin in leadership positions, and I'll explain what I mean by that. When you look at dirty leadership, it has a strong spiritual influence on the congregation. Now, listen, sin is sin. Sin is contagious, right? We don't categorize sin because God doesn't categorize sin. But I will give you an example. God is gracious. He is merciful. So there can be a minister in the church that is in an adulterous situation, and you have no idea. This person could have fallen over the weekend, repented, and then restored. They worked out whatever they worked out in their house and horrible as that sounds, stuff like that happens all the time, but you never know it, right? So what I mean by open sin is something you can see with your eyes. So I'm talking about someone in a leadership position that's pregnant out of wedlock. You're not bashing the woman for being pregnant out of wedlock. However, you cannot serve in an open position in a position where you are influencing people. So if I'm the choir director, if I'm the usher, if I'm the trustee, if I'm a deaconess or whatever, and you know I don't have a husband, and I'm up there seven months pregnant. Now, I could have went to God, and I could have repented. But what does that look like to people that are just stepping in church? We have to be an example. The Scripture says abstain from the very appearance of evil. It's not beating up. It's not about beating up on the person who made the decision. It's about sit down, have your baby, okay, be restored, and get back up. It's just that simple. It's very important, our example. Or when you have an openly uh, open homosexual deacon collecting the offering, I I was visiting a church one time and this uh, this deacon came. He might as well have done a cartwheel up the steps, very dramatic, very loud, screaming, clapping, shouting, dancing around. He was making a spectacle of himself. Sit down, because when if you're a part of a ministry where the leadership is raunchy, where you know for a fact. That the praise and worship leaders get down in the club on Friday night, but they want to teach you how to praise dance on Saturday morning. Leave. No, don't leave. Run. Run. Right. Don't go back. Don't go back because these are the people that the word speaks about in Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, right, ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. There is a difference between the sinner and the ungodly because the sinner is the one without God. 
The ungodly is the one who has learned the truth of God and continues in their sin. And now you're looking at a state of iniquity. And when it comes to iniquity, God separates himself from you. He won't even hear your prayers when you're in the state of iniquity because you are purposely sinning. Because see, sometimes we, we, we search for God and we want God and he understands that. And so we end up in a church where we understand salvation and we repent and we do our works, works over again. But that doesn't mean you stay there. Sometimes the place that introduced Christ to you is not the place where you stay. When you start to see sin pop up in leadership, and let that be a difference, not the congregation. The congregation is where you should see all of the shenanigans. That's where people, right, people go in and out. There's a saying that church is a revolving door. I'm specifically speaking of sin in the pulpit. You know for a fact that the pastor got a couple people pregnant in the congregation. You know for why are you still going? You know for a fact that people in influential positions a cause and division. How are you going to grow in a place with dirty leadership? Let me tell you how God dealt with dirty leadership in the Old Testament. A priest would go into the temple. They would have to tie, delve around their waist with a rope because if they weren't clean, as soon as they would walk in, God would kill them and they would drop dead. And then the people that had the ropes would have to pull them out. Now, they knew they wasn't right before they went in there, but trying to save face, trying to save face and get the opinion of people cost you your soul. You don't go to church to save face. You don't join certain boards to save face. And a certain way, the certain same way, those priests were dragged out of those temples. We don't see that happening today. So we think that, you know, like the scripture says, because God isn't swift that we think he's not going to execute, but that's not correct at all. Jesus is merciful, but it comes to an end. You can frustrate his grace. So when you're in a place of an ungodly house, I don't care if it's a family church, you know, you were invited by a good friend you've been there for years. And it doesn't matter. Get out. Don't stay in the house of the ungodly, the scripture says, if the righteous scarcely be saved, that means we just make an event. And it's not because of our own works, it's because of God. So if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? If you have dirty leadership, get out of there. First Samuel talks about rebellion as, as a sin of witchcraft. So after someone knows the word, they continue wrong. Talking about, turn your Bibles to Psalms 100, give me $100, run. I mean it. Run. And that's more obvious to some people, but to some people it's not. Some people have been in churches for so long and they want to use excuses like nobody's perfect. This isn't about perfection, but this is about progression. And if you're in a ministry, and some people are in church 10, 15, 20 years, and there's no consistency, there's no fruit, Where's your fruit? How are you so comfortable in a place that produces no fruit? Are you dead? All dead people in the cemetery, I don't see no complaints. Everyone's dead. But if you're alive, you're going to have to get out of there. Our third category is the trendy church. Oh, my God. (laughs) Second Timothy says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. This is the the popular church right now. Very popular. Very well-known. Oh, my God. This is where the young people love to go. 
because all they are taught is be the best version of yourself. God loves you just as you are. No one can judge you. That's all they hear. Candy factory churches. Candy factory churches. Because people no longer want to believe in hell. They believe in heaven. They talk about heaven all day. You can go out here and shoot up a bank. They'll put wings on your back, on your obituary, and say that you made it in the gate. People have no problem doing that. Nobody will talk about hell. Because they choose what they will believe out of the word. And the rest that they don't like, they leave it. I'm sorry to say this because not all people are the same, but millennials are really popular for this prosperity gospel because it just feels good. You know, we don't need to talk about I need to be delivered or I need to stop sinning or I can't, you know, serve two masters. No, I just want to be told God loves me and I'm gifted and I'm talented and my gift will make room for me and I'm prosperous in Jesus' name. I walk in victory. All the wonderful things that apply to the children of God who are walking in his will. 100% not applying to someone who has never confessed their sins to God, yet alone has been delivered from strongholds because you're too busy trying to fit in with this popular gospel. The thing about the Trinity Church is there's a very high spirit of religion. Spirit of religion is very high. People can pray you under the table. They can sing. They can dance. They can even preach. This is why discernment is necessary. The Bible says try the spirit by the spirit. You can't go off of what you see. Now keep in mind, faith walk, this is our life. We walk by faith and not by sight. I can't go off of what I see. What I see can look beautiful on the outside. If you saw a beautiful Lamborghini or a beautiful Maserati or whatever your car is, everybody got their own thing. Beautiful, brand new model. You can't see on the inside. You don't know that it's missing a stern wheel, an engine, the floor is out, it's ransacked. You don't know. You're just looking on the outside. We can't go off of our physical eyes because it will fail us every time. The thing with the Trinity Church is their main priority is membership. It's not your soul. And you have to think what is the purpose of preaching? We preach to make you aware of what you are saved from. What are we saved from? We're saved from hell. We're saved from God's wrath. That's where we were going. That's what we deserve because we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But people have turned their ears into fables because they only want to hear about the gold and the glitter. They want their prosperity now. They want to be rich now. They're in love with the wealth of the world now. What does the Bible says about that in the book of John? The world hates you because you are not of the world. So if the world loves you, then that must mean you are of the world. You can't please God and the world at the same time. Because as soon as you seek acceptance from one, I just posted this, you'll automatically be rejected from the other. So with these trendy churches, your membership is their main priority. In other words, your tithes and your offerings is not your soul. It's not that you're dying in the pulpit. It's not that you're slowly slipping back into sin, that you're picking up old habits, that you still have generational curses, that you have no power in your life, that your children aren't listening. It's your tithes and your offerings. They praise public figures that are in direct opposition to Christ. I never really speak on politics too much 
because people literally act like they lose their minds when they find out you voted for someone they didn't agree with. But I'm going to go ahead and say this because I'm not concerned with, with opinions. I'm going to say this. I visited a church, and in the pulpit was, I want to say, like a five-foot picture of Barack and Michelle Obama, like they were the bishops of the church, like they were the pastors of the church. If you would do your research, Christian, you would realize that that, 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 that administration was an antichrist administration. They did not support Christian values. They did not support Christian morals. They, they did not support churches, okay? They actually didn't. And that, this would, is actually can go into a whole other conversation, so I'm not going to go too deep into that. Just read. Just pull up the information. See the laws that were passed during that administration. And you have this picture of them because they have the same skin color as us blown up in the pulpit like they are the founding bishops of the church. You should be embarrassed. You should be ashamed worshiping them like they're idols. The same people that will close your building and accuse you of hate speech because you preach in the scriptures, you've blown them up and put them in your pulpit because they have the same skin color. How stupid is that? I mean, we got to really wake up and use common sense sometimes. And stop using your eyesight. Walk by faith means you walk by what you can't see. So if we function off of what we can't see, then we shouldn't be functioning off of what we can see. Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. This LGBTQ is an interesting organization to me. And it isn't because oh, their sin is so much worse than others. Sin is sin, but I'm, I'm going to say this. It's such an interesting group to me because they preach tolerance, love, and acceptance. However, if you disagree with them in any fashion, they are not tolerant of you, they do not accept you, and they hate you. Your difference of opinion is considered hate. And they want you to accept their sin in the name of love. This is perversion. This is when the scriptures talk about they'll call good evil and evil good. So you have this popular phrase now, love is love. Love is everywhere. Now, we know Jesus is the definition of love. We love sin because he first loved us. He literally is the definition of love. No man, uh, uh, no man, uh, when we talk about love, he laid down his life for his friends, right? But love is love. Everything is love. So Sin is now being accepted under the disguise of love. Well, if you love me, you will accept me. It's like there's nobody but the devil. No, you don't accept sin under the disguise. That's, that's the enemy. You've got to think about the definition of what love is. Love died on the cross for you. Love saved you from an eternal damnation. You don't turn around and take that word and use it to promote sexual immorality, and then as soon as anyone with a backbone, because I'm telling you, it's getting harder and harder to find Christian backbones. I'm telling you, there's so many CIA co-op, uh, co-op, what do you call it, co-op Christians in the closet Christians, skits, deaf Christians. Lord Jesus, I just pray that people would just get some boldness in them. Read the Old Testament. Read Daniel and the Hebrew boys. Please grow a backbone. But um, 
it, you got you got so many people just hiding under the disguise of love, and then as soon as you disagree, oh, you hate me, you hate me. It's ravenous wolves. As soon as you disagree, it's a whole nother picture, just like the enemy. But these trendy churches promote love. They're not going to preach on sin. You're not going to hear about that. You're not going to hear that when you come to the house of God, you should present yourself a certain way. Oh, God doesn't care what you look like. Oh, don't worry about that. Come on in. You can come in as you are, but he won't leave you like he found you. Whenever God would heal someone, he would say, go and sin no more. He would heal the person, right? So you come to him first. So, yes, you come to him as you are. Then he heals you. He delivers you. And then he instructs you not no longer to keep sinning because if you continue to practice sin, you're now in a state of iniquity, and now you're the ungodly. God says, be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out my mouth. It's cut and dry, y'all. It, with the Holy Spirit, with discernment, and with prayer, it's not going to take you all day to realize if you're in the right place. If you're in a place that never preached on sin, You've never heard hell mentioned at one time. You have dirty leadership. You have no connection with the pastor or the spiritual leadership. You're not in a church. You're in a business. And if you're in either one of those things and it doesn't bother you, you need to check yourself. Now, Jeremiah 3.15 says, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. The key word is, I will give you pastors. Pastors are called. They are created for the purpose of shepherding the people. The purpose of Moses was to shepherd the children of Israel and lead them from slavery to the promised land. Our sin represents our Egypt. Our shepherd leads us to the promised land, which is the will of God. The issue is a lot of these pastors have not been called. People have called themselves. People have got uh, gotten 501c3s on their own. They have started these businesses based on their popularity and their Facebook followers. God never called them. God called Moses. He performed the miracles. They wondered and for 40 years because of their rebellion, but Moses was called by God, and God proved himself time and time again, constantly, with with their battles and feeding them from heaven and parting the Red Sea. Now, if Moses wasn't called, and his name was, uh, let's, uh, let's say his name was uh, uh, Rodney. We're just going to make this up. Rodney said, I'm going to go get these children out of Egypt myself. It was a disaster that it would be. There would have been no plagues. There would have been no parting of the rich sea. They would have never been set free. Pharaoh would have shut them down. And that sounds silly. But if you're in a ministry where the pastor hasn't been called, you're going absolutely nowhere. And you're under the disguise that you're fine and you're really not. Don't don't go to church for all these years and still end up in hell. Please don't do that. Work out your own soul salvation. Don't let a preacher tell you you're okay and you know you're not. Don't look for someone to confirm your sin so that you can continue to sin. When you feel a nudge of the Holy Ghost tell you that thing is wrong, whether it's a lie, whether it's something deceitful you're about to do, whether it's an action, whether it's a deed, 
check it because when we refuse his instruction and we grieve him, he withdraws his presence from us. And then it makes it easier for you to sin the next time and the next time and the next time. And now you're in the state of iniquity. So it's not hard to figure out if you're in the right church. You have to check yourself first. And if any of that is what you're dealing with on that list, pray, go to God, say, God, lead me to where I'm supposed to be. Learn what you're supposed to learn and get where you are supposed to get. He says they shall feed you with knowledge, knowing, and understanding. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to understand it. They are your teachers. They are your leaders. There is a connection there. There is a spiritual connection. You don't have to talk to them every day, but if they're your children, I'm sorry, if you're their children, they know it. And if you're not there and nobody ever calls you and checks on you, maybe you're not their child because you know your children. And if you go any amount of time that's not normal, you don't see a child, you're going to look for your child. The shepherd goes after a sheep. Is there anyone coming after you when you miss services? Does anyone know? Does anyone care? Or they don't know because they're too busy what? Speaking, collecting offerings, running programs and activities. I've never seen so many activities in my life in church. There's nothing wrong with activities. But when the activities are pulling you from hearing the word and growing because you're so busy trying to find stuff to do, you take your time away from God to create busyness. That's a problem. Second Timothy 4, 2 says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. What does that mean? When they want to hear it and when they don't. Rebuke means to chastise. Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. This is not easy. It's not supposed to be. I love what John Hagee said. He said, God didn't promise you smooth sailing, but he did promise you a safe landing. And that's what I want to end on. This is not an easy route. But it's a necessary route. Don't look for perfection. If you're looking for a perfect church, you would have to leave because you're there. And none of us are perfect. But you want to make sure you're spirit-led. And you want to make sure that you submit yourself. You may not always understand everything that the shepherd is telling you to do. You may not even agree with it. But if you submit yourself in obedience, God will unlock your understanding. Sometimes we get instruction, and if we don't understand the instruction, we don't want to move. That's not faith. Act on what you don't know. Then God will unlock the understanding, and because you moved in faith, he'll bless you, even if it's the wrong move. Because all things work together. So if you believe this is what God is calling you to do, whether to stay in your ministry or leave, don't worry about making a mistake. Don't worry about messing up. He knows the intention of your heart, and he will have it work together for your good 100% of the time. And last but not least, if you are in a place where you know God put you, make sure you are serving. Make sure you are adding to the kingdom. Make sure that the gifts and talents that you have are for the kingdom. They're not just for you. They're for the edifying of the kingdom. If you can sing, lead devotions. If you can dance, be on the praise team. If you're good with money, going to the trustee office. If you're helping, go in the hospitality, become an usher, serve. Don't be a bench warmer because bench warmers always find something to complain about. Why? Because they're on the bench. If you go to a game, 
you see the players on the field, but then you got the bench players. They sit there the whole time. They ain't doing nothing. Don't be a bench woman in the house of God. You'll always find something wrong because you're not even busy, active, doing anything. Serve. Ask God to reveal to you what your talents and gifts are. Ask him to blow upon it and multiply it. Your ministry is not just in church. Your ministry is your life. You are a walking example of the Bible, your neighbors, your family members, your enemies, your coworkers. You are the living Bible. We go to church to be rejuvenated. We go to church to charge up. We go to church to be fed, to be restored, to be rebuked, to be corrected. And then we head back out into our week. You fill up on Sunday, you pour out. Then you come back to fill up, and then you pour out in that order. Nothing is perfect. It can't be because we're all in the flesh. But we strive and we press for the mark of the high calling. So please check yourself. Make sure you you are where you are supposed to be. If you need to, turn your plate down. Seek God. He will always reveal himself to you. I pray that this was helpful. Some of us, if we if we could just see this in the pamphlet, it would have saved us a lot of time. Some of us find our stuff the hard way. <laughs> Some of us listen and we, we heed to the Lord. But out here today, it's so easy to get lost. It's so easy to get lost because they don't preach salvation anymore. They're telling you you don't have to change. Just come on in. God loves you like you are. You better run. That's nobody but the devil. I promise you 100% of the time. Thank you for tuning in. I pray it was helpful. And I hope you all have a blessed night. Good night.